0: Morning, Wellspring. My name is Katie Gale. I'm the executive pastor of ministry here. I've been gone the last two Sundays, which means like half of you probably don't know who I am because we're seeing so many visitors, which is awesome. I can't wait to meet you. Uh, and just being gone two weeks, I really missed you guys. I missed our community. We attempted to take a family vacation to Santa Barbara um, with some friends. <clears throat> and have you ever gone on a trip where you come home and you look back and you think, why did we do that? Well, that, was, that was so much harder, we should have just stayed home. Uh, and the worst part of it was not that we went on a trip with young kids, which we all know that's not a vacation, that's a trip, that wasn't the worst part. Uh, the worst part was not that we were in the middle of an actual natural disaster of flooding. Um, I don't know if you saw the news, but that was, that was crazy, but that wasn't even the hardest part. It wasn't even that our flight was canceled three days in a row because of the flooding. We could not get out of Santa Barbara. It wasn't even the fact on the third day, we almost, we were ready to get out. And then the FAA canceled all flights in the whole nation. we were like, Lord, why is this happening? Get us out of this beautiful place. Um, and it wasn't even the fact that all of us got COVID. Oh. Finally now I joined the COVID club and I'm like two weeks in and just finally getting my voice back. That wasn't the hardest part. The hardest part is as we got back from our trip and we looked back and I said, I had a really hard time finding God. You know, we were asking for wisdom, asking for his guidance, asking for his presence. And I just, I couldn't see it and I couldn't hear him. And I know I I can look back and there's so much to be thankful for. And gratitude is a discipline. It's always important to look back and you know, I can be thankful that we got to go to a beautiful place, and we got to be with wonderful friends, and we are safe. We didn't have to evacuate, unfortunately. We're all healthy. I'm almost all the way healthy. we We had the means to get home. We had the support we needed. You know God had given us so much. But what I really needed, I just really needed to hear God, and I had a hard time hearing him, and I had a hard time seeing him. And I don't know if you've ever been in times like that in seasons like that where it just kind of feels silent. It feels like God is far away. Maybe he's abandoned you. And yes, we know in our faith journey, there are times when God is so evident. And just hearing the testimonies from Noonday Prayer this week, God was so evident and brought healing, and we rejoice in that. But we also know in our experience of our faith journeys that there are times when it seems like God is far away. And maybe that's where you're at right now. And we think, well, what do we do in those times? What do we have to hold on to? And I think our passage of scripture today speaks to that. And I'm so grateful I get to preach it. We're in a sermon series right now called Our Good Shepherd. And we're looking at the motif of God being our shepherd. And God describes himself in a lot of ways through scripture. God's our father, our rock, our foundation, our fortress, our refuge, just to name a few. But there's this common motif, common symbol of God being our shepherd. And that's because in, when the Bible was written, there were lots of shepherds and sheep. And so the authors of the Psalms and the prophets and Jesus and the apostles, they all drew on this real life example to tell us something about who God is and who we are. Now, most of us have never spent a lot of time with sheep. I haven't outside of a petting zoo. You know, most of us have never tried to guide an actual flock of sheep. Um, most of us have never talked to a real shepherd, I've not. But there's something in us that kind of resonates with this theme. You know, like it or not, we know we are like sheep. We wander and we can stray and we can get lost and we need someone to guide us, we need protection. we want someone to look after us, we want a good shepherd. We want the promises of Psalm 23 that we just recited that God is our shepherd and we shall not want. That he makes us lie down in green pastures, you know in places of abundance and safety, that He would restore our souls, that even when we walk through the dark, scary, lonely places, that's how the Jesus storybook Bible describes this. That even when we walk through the dark, scary, lonely places, we won't need to be afraid because God will be with us. He'll comfort us. So we want that kind of good shepherd. We long for that kind of good shepherd. And Wellspring, that's the kind of good shepherd that we have. And that's what we're looking at during the season of Epiphany. Today, we're going to be looking at the passage of Ezekiel 34. And Ezekiel was a prophet to Israel. Israel. That was a prophet to God's people. And prophets were a mouthpiece for God. God would speak through the prophets, not just about what was coming in the future. That's oftentimes what we think about a prophet. We think of foretelling the future. But God would speak through the prophets to illuminate the present as well. He would speak truth, He'd expose what needed to be exposed, He'd convict, but also He would proclaim hope and promise. That even in those dark times, even when the people had strayed and they needed to repent and come back, God was still at work. He would speak hope. And that's what we see in our passage today in Ezekiel 34. Now, just a a quick context, biblically, leading us up to this passage. If you remember our sermon series this summer through the book of Exodus, God's people became slaves in Egypt, and they cried out to God to help them, and God rescued them. He brought them out of Egypt through the Red Sea into the wilderness. They're wandering in the wilderness. And God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. And he gave them commandments. And the first couple commandments were really clear. Don't have any other gods before me. Don't worship idols. Worship me alone. That was the foundation of their covenant with God. After they wandered in the wilderness, God brought them to the promised land. And this land was this physical symbol of God's presence. They could say, look, we're here. God has shown favor to us. We are his people. As they settled in the land, some broad strokes of history here, they eventually built a temple. That's where they would worship God. And then the people were led by different leaders, first judges and then kings. Some of the kings were good. A lot of them didn't lead that well. And as the people then lived in the land, we see this unfortunate pattern that even though God was always faithful to them, they lived oftentimes in idolatry and disobedience, injustice, unfaithfulness. And so as that happened, it wasn't just the leaders, it was the majority of the people as well. God sent prophets to speak to them and he said, you guys need to repent you need to turn from your ways. Remember those commandments I gave. Don't have any other gods before me. Don't worship any idols. You've broken those. And if you don't repent and turn from them and turn back to me, there's gonna be consequences. And those consequences came in the destruction of the temple and exile from the land. Those were the two main symbols of God's presence with the people. And now they've been taken away from the people. So they, they were able to point, we've got the, we've got the temple. We've got the land. And now as those have been removed, it felt like God's presence had been removed, like God had abandoned them. So that now leads us to our prophet Ezekiel. And Ezekiel's speaking to the people, not from the promised land, but from exile. He'd been taken captive by the Babylonians. And so he's in captivity in exile. And the first 33 chapters of his book are really proclaiming judgment on the people. You need to repent, turn from your idolatry, And then we get to our chapter today in Ezekiel 34, and God through Ezekiel speaks promise and hope. It's like a breath of fresh air in the midst of destruction and judgment. And it's beautiful. So if you have your scriptures, your Bible app, you can turn with me to Ezekiel 34. And Ezekiel begins his chapter really similarly to Jeremiah last week. So Billy preached another prophet last week, Jeremiah. And both Jeremiah and Ezekiel, they begin this chapter by calling out the bad leaders. There were bad shepherds over the flock of Israel. And these bad shepherds had turned the people away from God. And had led them to exile. And so God calls them out. Ezekiel 34 verse 1 says, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. "'Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves! "'Should not shepherds take care of the flock? "'You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with wool, "'and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. "'You've not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, "'or bound up the injured. "'You've not brought back the strays, or searched for the lost. "'You've ruled them harshly and brutally. "'So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, "'and when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals.'" My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Now, as I've read through this passage a lot this week, what stuck out to me is not the bad shepherds. Even though I do take this example to heart, I am a leader of a flock. I'm a part of the shepherding team here. I want to be a good shepherd and not a bad shepherd. And so I heed this example. But what really grabbed my attention from this passage was the sheep. Because we're all the sheep. I'm a sheep. You're a sheep. And here, these sheep did not have a good shepherd. See, the the bad shepherds didn't strengthen the weak or heal the sick or bind up the injured. They didn't bring back the strays. They didn't search for the lost. They didn't protect them from predators. That was the role of the shepherd. And so because of that, because the sheep didn't have a good shepherd, they had these experiences of being weak and sick and dealing with injury, they felt lost and strayed away from God because of their own sin. it wasn 't just the leaders who lived into idolatry, the people as well, they knew they were far from God. and so these, these real sheep, these are real people, I know they lived a long time ago, but they 're real people, not that different from, from me and you. these were the real experiences of the sheep. Can we imagine how, how they felt? Remember With the the exile from the land, the destruction of the temple, those two main symbols of God's presence, as those have been removed, they felt like God had abandoned them. It says in verse 6, They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched for them or looked for them. They felt overlooked and alone. That's the experience of the sheep. And it's into that reality that God speaks to them. He speaks through Ezekiel, promises for the sheep. And these are promises not just for the Israelites in exile thousands of years ago, but they're promises for us for, because we're the sheep. And maybe we also can relate to some of those experiences of operating out of weakness, injury, feeling alone, abandoned, feeling like God is far away, or maybe we're far away from God because of our own choices. And it's into this experience that God speaks in verse 11. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he's with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel and the ravines and in all the settlements of the land. but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Do we see how the words of God, our shepherd, directly address the experience of the sheep? They felt weak and God said, I'll be the shepherd that will strengthen you. They needed healing and God said, I'll be the shepherd that will bind up the injured. They needed to be searched for, looked for, brought back from the places that they had wandered. And God said, I will be the shepherd that searches, rescues, brings back. God's promises directly answer the experience of the sheep. I'm going to say that again. God's promises as the shepherd are the direct answer to the needs of the sheep. Wherever you are going. I need the Lord I'm feeling I'm I'm operating out of weakness Lord see whatever we're going through right now whether we feel like we're in the valley of the shadow of death whether you feel weak or lonely abandoned grieving God's promises are the answer that you need God is the shepherd the good shepherd who knows your needs and not just knows them but meets them and these promises are true for you God says, I myself will search for the sheep and look after them. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. Maybe you feel right now lost, abandoned, alone, but God's coming after you. Like the parable of the lost sheep that we read in the gospel. The shepherd will never leave you or forsake you. He's coming after you. He knows right where you are. And when he gathers you up, there'll be great rejoicing. You're not forgotten, you're not abandoned. The shepherd knows where you are. You cannot hide from him. <coughs> my kids right now are really into playing hide-and-seek, and my four-year-old's gotten pretty good at it, but my two-year-old, not so much. Um, Micah, my four-year-old, he'll actually find like a closet somewhere and hide and be pretty silent, and we have to work hard to find him. But Lily, um, she's at the phase where she thinks if she can't see you, you can't see her. And so she'll just kind of stand in the room and cover her eyes and giggle and think she's hiding. And it's so cute because her hiding is so fruitless. But that's like how we are with our shepherd. That God knows right where you are. You cannot hide from him. He's always close to you. He's always in pursuit. God says, I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. God sees your weaknesses. Are you in pain? God sees your pain. Are you struggling? God sees you're struggling. And he's not only capable of meeting your needs, he promises that he will meet your needs. I experienced that in just a, a profound, beautiful, unexpected way this week. Coming off of that trip, we felt physically weak, but just kind of emotionally and spiritually beat up as well. And um, someone in the congregation texted me and said, God told me to pray for you. Don't need to reach out. But I, and I don't know, if this means anything to you, but God told me to pray for you. And I wrote back and said, oh, well, clearly God's speaking to you because I really need you to pray for me. And so she did, and, and I trust that she did because she's such a prayer warrior, and I felt this darkness lift. And then she wrote to me and she said that as she was praying, God gave her this vision that he was, his presence was so overwhelmingly near to me that it brought her to tears. She was overwhelmed seeing his presence with me. And that just that comforted me. He strengthened me in my weakness through a sister in Christ. See, God can meet our needs. He can strengthen us when we feel weak or alone. He binds up the injured, strengthens the weak. He's a God of healing and can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And God says, I will tend them in good pastures. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and all the settlements in the land, there they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture in the mountains of Israel. Well, right before he says this, Ezekiel thirty-three twenty-eight, 28, he seems to say the opposite. He says, I'll make the land a desolate waste, and her proud strength will come to an end, and the mountains of Israel will become desolate so that no one can cross them. And what is he doing here? One, one chapter, he says one thing. The next, he says a different thing. Why is he contradicting himself because God is promising that he's going to redeem what's been taken. He's going to restore what's been broken, whether that's through sin, through choi- their own choices, what's been done to them. God's promises are, are that he will redeem and restore. He's a good shepherd that knows where to lead us and how to provide what we need because the promises of the good shepherd are the direct answer to whatever the sheep need. Now Kenneth Bailey has this beautiful commentary on the good shepherd. And he makes a profound point about this passage. He says there's something very important that a shepherd does. When a sheep is lost, a shepherd has to do, they're expected to do two things. Search for the sheep and bring them back. Both are needed. A good shepherd must first find the sheep and then assess their needs and their injuries. And then he needs to bring them back by any means necessary. That usually means carrying this 50 to 70 pound animal on their back up a hill, probably a far distance, anything that they need to do in order to restore them into the flock and into relationship with the shepherd. Both aspects are important to search for and bring back. And they point to two beautiful theological concepts, incarnation and redemption. Incarnation means coming near, entering into our experience, into our existence in order to truly know the sheep, to be near, to seek out and find and that's exactly what our shepherd's done is he searches for us. He comes near. He's entered into our reality. He's come close. The sheep have been scattered. They've been led by bad leaders and shepherds. They're lost and alone. The only hope for them is divine incarnation. And God says, I myself will search for the sheep. God has entered into our reality to search for, seek out, bring back, rescue, gather the people to him. And God also says, I will shepherd the flock with justice. Not only do we need incarnation, God coming close and seeking us out, but we need redemption. We need God to restore us, to forgive us, to bring us back, to redeem what's been broken and lost. Ezekiel does a controversial thing in this chapter. He criticizes first the oppressors, Babylon, which we'd expect. Then he criticizes the bad shepherds for leading the people into idolatry and then exile. But then he turns on the sheep. It's one thing to criticize bad leadership and we can all kind of get behind them and say, oh yeah, that's that's their fault. But it's another thing to turn to the people themselves and illuminate their own failings. In verse 20, it says, therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them, to the sheep. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you've driven them out, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered from the outside but even from the inside. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken." The sheep have been lost and scattered, hurt and weak. And it's not just from the bad circumstances out there, but it's also from their own sin and choices, from their own idolatry and selfishness, from pushing others down to get ahead, from caring for their own comforts instead of caring for the needs of the others. And the shepherd knows the flock, and he's going to shepherd them with justice and convict, but also bring back. And we know we need that too, because we're not innocent. Yes, life throws us challenges, but we also sin and all fall short of the glory of God. We know that we have wandered. We haven't been faithful to God's commands. We've put our trust in other things. We've sought our own comfort over caring for the needs of our neighbors. We've sought to control, take things under our own hands instead of being dependent upon our shepherd. And we need a shepherd who not only searches us out, but brings us back. We need a shepherd of incarnation, but also redemption. And even in that need, God's promises are the direct answer to our needs. God says, I will place a shepherd over them in the line of David. And that's that's a prophecy of the Messiah. And who fulfills that prophecy? Jesus. Jesus is the shepherd who comes close and the shepherd who redeems. He's the shepherd of incarnation and also redemption. And he confirms this in John 10 when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Here he is repeating the words here. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is the incarnation. He stepped into our existence. He humbled himself from glory and he took on the most humble and weak posture to come as a baby. That's what we celebrated just just recently in Christmas, the incarnation. Jesus coming close so that he can know the sheep. He can seek us out and find you wherever you are. But Jesus also is our redemption. He's the shepherd that will go to whatever lengths necessary to bring you back. He'll shoulder the burden of the cross. He gives up his life so that you can be brought back in. We need a shepherd who seeks us out but brings back the sheep, who's both the incarnation and our redemption. And in Jesus, we have the good shepherd that we so desperately need. So in our moments of darkness, confusion, doubt, pain, trial, what do we have to hold on to? What do we hold on to? Well, we can grasp for control. We can numb our pain. We can isolate, or we can do the opposite and overly depend on the affection of others. We can lash out. We can allow our emotions to consume us. We can get stuck. But those are all options. They're just not very good options. They're not going to satisfy the desires, the needs of your heart. What you truly need in the midst of your trials are the promises of your good shepherd. Our shepherd who both seeks us out and brings us back, who knows your needs and can provide for them. These are the promises that are true. They are the firm foundation for you to stand upon. Jesus is the good shepherd that can meet all your needs. So if that's true, how do we hold on to the promises of God? Well, I just want to give three simple, quick applications. The first is that we need to know the promises of God. That means we need to know God's word. Every week we pray, Lord, may your word be on our mind, on our lips, and in our heart. And if that's true, we actually need to read it. We need to consume it. We need to know it. We need to be like the disciple Peter who says to Jesus, Lord, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. These are the words of life. And so we need to know God's promises. So you just need to start somewhere. I usually encourage people to start in the Psalms or the Gospels, but daily read God's word. You know, we don't just need to know God's promises, but we need to be reminded of God's promises because we're forgetful and we stray and we doubt And it feels like God's silent sometimes. So we need to remind each other. And we do that within the body of Christ. That's one thing that's so important about gathering on Sundays for corporate worship. Because as we gather, we rehearse what we believe. And we hear one another proclaim what we believe. We don't just do that on Sundays, but throughout the week too. It's like that beautiful sister in Christ who reached out to me this week and reminded me of the promises of God. I needed that reminder. So maybe you're at a place where you need to be reminded of God's promises. I'd love to pray for you. Anyone on our staff would love to connect with you. Or maybe you're at a place where you think, I know of someone I need to reach out to, and I just need to remind them of God's promises. So I want to encourage you to do that this week. And then the final thing, we need to know God's promises. We need to be reminded of them. And then we actually need to rest in them. That means we need to be with God. Carve out space to sit in silence and listen to him, allow his promises to become the loudest voice in our life. And I'll say, this is probably the hardest one for me because it's one thing to consume information, to read. You know, it's another to talk to someone. Those I can do. But to actually carve out space to sit and be silent and listen to God, that can be hard. But we are the sheep and he's our shepherd and we need to be in his presence. The promises of the good shepherd are available to you. They are the answer you need. I pray that you would hear these promises that God searches for you, seeks you out, rescues you, binds up your wounds, strengthens you when you feel weak, brings you back and restores you. Whatever you're going through, turn to Jesus. He is the good shepherd that you need and live into the promises he has for you.